tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren, and I'm joined as always by Brett Terpstra. Hi, Christina. Hi, Brett. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm a little tired, but I'm not like I'm not super exhausted, but I am tired a little bit. I yeah okay. I I can buy that. So so before I ask you how you are, I'll explain why I'm a little tired. I think we discussed this. Or like I could make year. it a really good segue and be like, Hey, Christina, so why are you so tired? Yeah, that would actually be even better. Hey, Christina, why are you so I'm tired? I'm a dick. You're, you are, but I love you. Um, so it's not so much that I'm tired. It's just, I, I mentioned this, I think, on the last show. And I've started this new job. And um, I start work now at 8 o'clock in the morning. What? Yeah. There's one of those in the morning now, too? It, apparently. And so the thing is, is that, you know, at Mashable, one of the advantages of working there for so many years was, to be totally honest, I got away with bloody murder. Like that's the best way. We we did talk about that, and that was my impression at the end of the conversation. Yes, I mean, because I would come in at like you know like ten fifteen, and you know most people would get in at nine o'clock. Some people a little before nine. I I would roll in sometimes ten thirty. Uh, I, I always stayed late, you know, so it wasn't like I wasn't putting in my full eight hours because I definitely was, and I many times more time than that, and I would work, you know. Anyway, we'll I say I'm you not, had flexible hours completely but so but so you know but but i was like the one person who could kind of get away with like you know coming in like late um the new job you know that's not how it works everybody starts at eight o'clock now i don't have to be in the office at eight although i am sometimes but i have to be online and like ready to blog at 8 a.m which you know that's uh that's very different two hours is a long time is a big difference i get up at like 6 a.m but there's no way i would be like sentient, like I sometimes schedule systematic recordings earlier in the day, but they always have to be after 10 because I am not conversational for like four hours after I get up. Yeah, um, I found that I mean, it's a weird thing because I'm now like if I'm if I'm starting from um, home, then I can like wake up at like 745 and then just like grab my laptop, you know, and like yeah. kind of be like uh, mumbling and, and whatnot. <laughs> and then I'll, then I'll get into the office around noon. But if I'm, you know, trying to go in early, which I wish I do some days, um, to actually be in the office at eight, then I think that means that I've got to leave my house by seven fifteen. This is why Wall Street does so much cocaine. Uh, totally, I, I totally believe it. And so as a result, you know, like I genuinely like to stay up late, but I kind of can't the same way that I used to. So has your sleep schedule shifted? It has. It has. I mean, I still I try to. I still don't really sometimes I go to bed before midnight, but that's I mean, honestly, that's rare. And then I don't think that'll ever be a thing where like I'm going to bed before midnight. Like that's just it will, waking... Christina. It will. I don't know. You I, will I, age just like the rest of us. I'm sure. It's just it's a bizarre thing. It's just like even like as a child, you know, like I don't know. Um so it it, it anyway, I'm uh, it, it we're recording this, it's eight o'clock at night. And I've been, you know, working since 8 a.m., but I've been awake since like 6.30 and I went to bed at like 3.30 because it was one of those things where I couldn't get to sleep and you know, had insomnia. And so I'm a little tired, but other than that, I'm good. How are you doing? Well, speaking of tired, this is interesting. So I think I mentioned that I found out that Lunesta was what was causing all my memory problems. Yes. And dropping it down from three milligrams to two milligrams instantly was amazing. I started remembering everything. Uh, so now I've dropped it down to one milligram on my way to, in a couple weeks, quitting it. And at one milligram, my sleep has become very erratic. Um, I If I don't get like at least 30 minutes of running in in a day, I will wake up around 1 a.m. and just be an insomniac until three or four and a few nights of that a week has led to this just slow sleep deprivation so i'm kind of always loopy right now and then uh friday night third friday night i went to a local show and the show was okay uh it wasn't too loud which old people like me appreciate uh, but I ended up talking to these teachers from a Montessori school. Uh-huh. And I was 
I was me, <laughs> which drove one of them away really quickly. The 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 cute young one left, um, which was understandable. But then the older one and I talked for a really long time about everything. I ended up going to bed. I took a cab home with a crackhead. I'm not joking. Like we talked about crack on the way home and uh, she cried in my driveway. That got weird. And then I, so it was like 3 a.m. when I went to bed and that's the latest I have stayed up in years. And so I'm still literally still Monday recovering from Friday night. Go back to, she cried in your driveway. Eh, I, I have a way of, <laughs> I have a way of making people open up without being personal personal enough to really sympathize gotcha so she she opened up she told me a lot of stuff uh she's surprisingly racist <laughs> like i mean i had i had a feeling like i picked up right away that maybe she just had that kind of like small town for us it's like the east end racist kind of thing but no she she had some deeply seated like good old like North Carolina style racism. It was interesting. No <laughs> offense to North Carolina. There are good people there. I've, I've met them. I've met good people in North Carolina. My wife has a, a potential job opportunity there. And the biggest issue for us is could we actually live racism. in you a could. state that pulls this shit all the time? You could. I honestly could. don't know if I could. Not with a good no, conscience. No, you could because you would. No, because you would live in a place that would be different and and you would be able to kind of do your part to change and you wouldn't hang out with those people. You would hang out with the Sure, the we'd live in Asheville people. and it would be a bubble and then we would realize that our votes Asheville's did very, not very... matter. Well, our, our votes our votes did not in in the grand scheme of things we did not sure. affect elections or well, state policy because it's a small well, little bubble of happiness. Okay, fine, but but you could say that about any, you know, like Madison, Austin, like these places are all amazing. Those cities on their own, amazing but, and even more amazing given their context. But but how, but but you you can't expect anything to ever change if if you don't if you're not willing to kind of infiltrate things. You know what I mean? And the thing is that local Asheville politics will eventually kind of trickle down. I mean, because that's what happens in, no. in places. No, when you're no, living in an electoral happen. system. You no, would have though. you would literally have to infiltrate to the point where you could change a state's overall election. I mean, I mean, look, look at what's happened to Georgia, though. I mean, Georgia has gone back and forth between red and blue um, because, you know, there was the whole Dixiecrat movement. And they were originally uh, averse to Republicans because, you know, Lincoln uh, and, and and then, you know, they were they were kind of a Democratic stronghold. But they've been like a Republican stronghold for a while. But I mean, now they're polling more um more, more, more for Hillary. And, and, um, even though they have like a, a Republican governor and, and, uh, you know, mo most of the, uh, representatives are, are Republicans. So see, I feel, know. I feel like saying they're polling mostly for Hillary does not mean anything anymore. Like in an election where it's, it's, you know, I establishment disagree. versus absolutely like batshit uh, crazy. I, com I completely disagree <laughs> when they went against Obama twice and went against. Yeah, went but Bush but twice. Obama ran against viable Republican candidates, people that Republicans could say, okay, yeah, he could represent my ideals. In this case, th th there's nobody like I can totally understand a Republican saying. You know what? Okay, ex like, except <laughs> except you can't say the same about Texas. Is all I'm saying. I I mean I get what you're I get your point, but I mean at that point I, I feel like we have to have people who are willing to try and and, and you know develop new cities and so whatnot, the difference the difference would be that Georgia has more. Oh man, no, I can't say this without getting in trouble. Let's just say it's a deplorable related comment. As far as like per capita deplorableness, I yeah, think Georgia I mean, stands above. Has more deplorables? No, has fewer. Uh, on in that in on that overall uh, scale. I you know what? Again, okay, I should admit my experience with Georgia is almost entirely in Savannah and a little bit of Atlanta. Yeah, and then and Savannah is basically south is should be South Carolina, 
And although if you really don't want to look at Savannah politics, because I know that like there are, <laughs> you really don't, you, you want to talk about racism. You want to talk about people who like are still like holding out stuff. I mean, I know SCAD is great and like, they're certainly like artistic people and like, like to think that, but no, like Savannah, like the old school, like people there who are, you know, have their country clubs well, they still, in there. They're still living like plantation houses. Yes. And, uh, and, and, no and, joke. and grasp onto that, uh, that mentality i mean i mean paula dean's restaurant or whatever where she had you know people in plantation uniforms and stuff serving you know food but you know savannah where people will literally would, would wait outside and like beg to like get you know to have the opportunity to eat you know food in her restaurant i'm just saying uh, you know atlanta is, is very different but atlanta is you know even though i've said many times before it, it is the state it's not the the majority of the people um, even if it's the income, I would say Athens is, 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 well, no, there are a lot of rednecks in Athens too, uh, but at least you have a big university. Well, there. Hey, there are rednecks in my town. Well, but we the, still like well, the, not but, a majority, but, but like, but like rednecks in Georgia or like in North Carolina or South Carolina are different than rednecks in Minnesota. I think that's probably true. All I know is that if you see a Confederate flag where I live, it's a very bold statement. There is no way you can excuse that as, oh, that's just my Southern heritage. Um, like I mean, that honestly, is. I think people who try to like hold it up and try to say, oh, it's my Southern heritage now. I'm like, what heritage? You right. know what I mean? Like, right. we, like, like, like the South lost. Like we, I say we because I'm from the South, you know, but I, I don't, I don't like represent that. I'm like, we lost. Get over it. We should have. Uh, <laughs> I was having a conversation at, at release notes conference. I was at to speak with some people about this, and they were like, "The real travesty was that it took so long to lose." You know that that that, that uh, you know the 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 South put up as good of a fight as they did is is the real actual takeaway from uh, from the Civil War. But anyway, <laughs> there's a whole out. show here. It could get really show. ugly. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. But uh, but anyway, so but so you know, the racism aside, you were uh, you you were, you were being a, a considerate uh, person who just somebody just opened up to and cried. Well, and you know, cried. I'm a I'm a uh, recovering addict myself. Uh, so you know, I I knew what to ask, and I was willing to listen. Um, nice of you. Yeah, I have this habit of negging people without. It's not intentional. I point out things when I talk to people that I think are interesting or obvious, and then it hurts their feelings or it causes the same reaction as when you ever watch those like, okay, I don't, but I've seen the teasers for these like pickup artists. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That like neg artistically or as a like a tactic oh totally i do this automatically and it's not i don't love that i do it i hear from people all the time that they felt really bad after they met me but sometimes that you know turns into other feelings but i i i do it and i've learned this in uh i've been going to therapy for the first time in my life but anyway, yeah, I I just pushed enough buttons, kind of consciously. I was a little bit drunk, says the recovering addict, who's obviously not, you know, recovering right now. Um, God, this is fun. Um, but yeah, so she, old woman who, like, she, I don't know how long she's been driving crab, but I assume it's like since cars were invented. Um, really... Or maybe she just did enough crack that you couldn't guess her age. I don't know. But she blamed the blacks entirely for her crack addiction. It was all their fault. And so we talked about okay. that. Uh, yeah, right. I had some questions. Because because they, <laughs> because they were the ones who really wanted to bring it into the community for sure. Right. You know, they, 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 were, they, were, they were totally oh, responsible. Oh, they, they lit that pipe and stuck it in her mouth. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, totally. I mean, it wasn't as if, you know, like like their communities were overrun by you know government forces who literally like infiltrated you know drug systems who were like oh yeah let's make some money off of black people Let, let's depress well, their economy it, the, the best part was she told me that if that if that woman hadn't been living in the sterling motel while she was there she never would have been addicted to crack 
It was just because that woman from Chicago had happened to be staying in town and and she thought, oh, she'd be holding because she wanted weed and she had crack and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so, so, it's, so, so, clearly, so it's her fault. It's a racial because, thing. Because clearly, be, be, right, because clearly <laughs> she was looking for weed. But, you know, but she's like, oh, crack. That's that, yeah. crack is because to it. me, because to me, when I'm looking for weed, I'm always my my my, my real thought is. I hope I hope that the person is holding something hardcore. I really well, hope it's no. Your real your real thought is always well. If I can't find weed, mm, crack. No, totally because you know the high is completely the same, and 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 it's certainly totally. Addic- Just ask for the sativa crack though. Okay, it's more of a body high. Okay. <laughs> I, I usually, I usually, uh, you know, I, I, I go, I go, you know, full on like, you know, the movie traffic. Yeah. I, I just, I, I go full like, you know, um, Erica, uh, Christensen and I just, you know, like, 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 like to smoke it and, and inject it and, and really feel good. I only, you can't inject crack just so you know. Oh, okay. Coke you can, which is really, I mean, that's what you're talking about, but. Right. Yeah. Anyway, wow. We, okay, so how uh, we are six, we made it 16 minutes in without hitting a single thing on the list. Oh, this is a new record for us. Although you did mention release notes. What I did, did you do at release? Notes. What is release notes? So release notes is a podcast and a conference for indie developers and uh it's a uh, hosted by uh, the podcast is hosted by uh, by Charles Perry and Joe um I can't say Joe's last name. Sipensky. Just go with Perry, Joe Perry. So 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 Charles Charles and Joe, oh, um, subtle Aerosmith reference. That was fun. Yeah, I know that was. I, I like that. I, I like that. Um, uh, do do a podcast kind of about the business of um, you know running your own indie development, and it's kind of like the podcast is kind of like everything but code. And and the conference, you know, was kind of dedicated to the business of you know people who build apps, independent apps, uh, app makers, whether it's for iOS or Mac, and and people in that ecosystem. And and they asked me to give uh, a keynote, so I was the keynote on the first night of the of the conference. Um, which was really cool. And what did you, the the former Mashable reporter, uh, Hiddle Swift uh, a follower, wh- yep. wh- what did you talk about? Well, it was sort of a hybrid talk. I kind of talked about the last few months that have happened in my life and, and you know, making the decision to leave Mashable um, after the layoffs that had happened and, and kind of the uncertainty that I felt, you know, in my job and, and making the decision to, to leave, even though ultimately I didn't leave because of the layoffs. I left because it was the right opportunity, but kind of you making a decision when you've been comfortable for someplace for a long time and making a big shift, you know, in your professional life and, and also, you know, not making decisions strictly out of fear because that can end up leaving, leading to negative things. Um, and kind of talked about, you know, that, because I think that in a lot of ways, and you, you can speak to this better than anybody on the planet, there are a lot of similarities between working in media and working, um, you know, building your own apps because you're both kind of reliant on these outside sources that you don't have any control over. You know Except what I mean? Except for working in media can pay six figures regularly. Yeah, um, it can. It can. <laughs> sure. But but, but yeah, that's true. But I mean, you know, so, I, I do know what you're talking about, though. Yes. But, but you know what I mean? Like it, when you work in media, you are you're relying on, you know, if Facebook changes their algorithm or if Google changes something or if, you know, the news cycle hits in a different way or, you know, something else happens like that can affect your job like significantly and people get laid off because, you know, the way traffic was being counted before is no longer being tra- counted that way. And you're kind of not really in control of that. No matter how good your work is, there are certain, you know, sources that you're relying on in the modern age of media um, that, that make that make it not always uh, predictable. And, and, and certainly, you know, it can be, it can be a messy industry. Um, and, and, you know, being an independent developer, I think, especially in the Apple ecosystem is kind of similar because with Apple changes their policies, then, and, and they, or exactly. Then that can fundamentally change your product. And when, you know, pricing things happen and when part things happen in the ecosystem that you don't have control over, you know, you don't have control over, you know, your, 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 your customers. Uh, if, if you're selling through the app store, for instance, you don't have like email lists, you know, you don't own your customers in the same way. And so things can kind of be pulled out. The rug can be pulled out from underneath you. And so you have to be agile, I think both careers, um, in certain ways. And so I was talking a little bit about that and then that kind of shifted into kind of a, you know, as 
my years as a technology journalist where I kind of see the state of the app store and, and what the big trends that have been happening have been. And, you know, the fact that, you know, and I said outright, I was like, I'm probably not going to review your app. Um, it's not that I don't want to. It's that one-off reviews on big news publications, you know, big tech news publications don't really fly anymore. You can do roundups. Uh, you can do mentions, but but one-off app reviews are, are typically not things that, that get run up anymore because people have app fatigue and the era, the app boom is over. That doesn't mean people shouldn't be developing apps and that there's not still, you know, businesses to be built off of them, but they've shifted. And, you know, I, I wrote a story from Mashable three years ago called Paid Apps Aren't Dead, But They're On Life Support. And three years later, that's more and more prescient. And, and, and I t- kind of talked about the trends, how I, I see, you know, subscription pricing becoming much more um, prevalent. I think that it's going to be really interesting to see where that works and where it doesn't, because I I certainly don't think it's going to work for every app, but I think it's going to work for a lot of them, or at least, you know, developers are going to be playing around with that more. And that in some ways it's kind of anti-consumer because you feel like you're paying for every little thing. You feel like it's a tit for tat and there's certainly good ways to go about doing it in bad ways. But at the same time, I feel like that's the future, you know, in-app purchase, you know, ad based things and, um, and subscriptions. See, but in-app purchase in the Mac Mac app store era, can we, I'm going to debate you. Yeah. I, I I did want to know what your talk was about, but no, I'm going to debate you. Please do. (laughs) Um, in the Mac App Store era, in-app purchases are the equivalent of early shareware. It, yeah. it is a, uh, like, give it a try, and then it's a combination of shareware and then the freemium model. Yes. So you buy something that you then own for life, but then you have the option to expand it or even expand it with subscription payments. Right. Have you... Okay, so I don't know how much... I haven't read the NDA uh, on this, but... There's a service that will be coming in January that kind of, it makes sense to me. I swore like things like Marked and, and any other apps I've made, they don't, they don't make sense to me as subscription models. I would never flip them over and start charging people to continue using something that is essentially, it's an, an app. Right. I'm, I guess it's I'm one old, off utility. But, right. Um, but there's a service coming that basically you subscribe to the store. Right. So this, I, think, I think I know who you're talking about. Somebody who's putting together kind of a bundle system. Kind of. And so basically they, they curate the store. They handpick developers to be on the store. And then you pay a fee monthly to use every app in the store. As For as long as you subscribe, you get access to all 100 plus apps. And that starts to make sense to me because the way they're paying developers is really good. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that that is the sort of thing that if that can work, I think that makes sense. If that can scale, the big question is whether or not it can scale. Um, and I think, you know, and that's what we're going to figure out whether they can get enough subscribers to, to, to pay for those things. And, and, and I think that, but, but again, that that's, even though it's, it's different subscriptions, that is a subscription model. You know, it might yeah. be different. Right. Than, than well, and that's the thing is when they first like I was invited to be on this store and yeah. um, when they first emailed me, I'm like, no subscription that that I I'm not doing that. I can't see anyone wanting to pay a fee. But then when you start looking at like the number of apps you get, it's actually a really good deal because sure. you start seeing these apps switching to subscription models and you start thinking, you know what? If I have to pay every month for every all of the month. apps I need, right? This is going to no, add up. It's kind of like when you're on when you cut your cable, and, say, and you have to buy thing. like Hulu and Netflix and HBO and Showtime, and you start paying for all of them. You end up paying a cable bill all over be, again. Of course you do, which is what I've been arguing for years is exactly what was going to happen. I, I've been writing for years that rebundling is going to happen, and with software, it's a little bit different because you the the difference is you know cable you might wind up paying the same, but it's going to be rare that you would pay more yeah. software. You could very easily pay more. Oh yeah. Um, because most people, you know, is also a change in how often apps are updated. You know, it used to be, you know, you could get like for major apps, you know, like office or for Adobe or whatever, it'd be like every two or three years and, you know, paying those fees per year becomes very different. So like the Adobe creative suite, 
you know, 50 bucks a month for all the apps. That's actually not a bad deal for people who live in and die by those apps. It's actually, I think, pretty efficient. And, and it certainly has been a good way for them to kind of fight, you know, piracy. And I think Microsoft Office 365 is like a hundred bucks a year, you know, for a couple of licenses and, and, and online support. And, and again, like, I think that, you know, compared to what the, the cost used to be, it's, it's not that disproportionate, except that some people wouldn't, you know, they would keep the same version of Office for five or six years. You know, they would keep the same version of, of Creative Suite if they bought it, you know, for a long time. And, and now, you know, shifting to even a, a yearly model can make things more expensive, especially if you're having to pay, like, like you said, you know, per month to use your apps. And I think for certain apps, it makes sense. Right. Um, but then everyone has to start making budget decisions. Agreed. Like agreed. in, in an era where you can spend between, you know, 10 and $30 on an off. app that you're going to use every day. I agree, but you, you'll I, make the purchase. But if you have to sit back and consider, am I willing to spend, you know, seven to $10 a month every day for as long as I need this app? Most people are going to do it. Yeah, you're going to shy away. You're only going to do that for the apps you really, really need. I agree. I agree. But I, I guess my point is, I think we're saying the same thing. Is I agree with you, and I feel like some of these moves are, you know, they they feel anti-consumer. But I don't. That doesn't change my opinion that that's the future direction of what's happening. The 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 era of of upfront paid, at least in the app store you know, at least for iOS, um, for Mac apps, it might be a little bit different, but for iOS, it's basically over. I mean, the fact that even Omni in the Mac app store, they're going to do this for iOS too, is going to, you know, um, basically freemium, you know, free, you know, the app is, is free and you pay not subscription, but you pay, you know, different amount based on unlocks, yeah. I think says it all. The fact well, that and, Omni- I mean, they're, they're Omni's, article when they when they started that was actually i think kind of groundbreaking um like the way that they're using the app store to offer trial versions oh, no i agree i agree they're, they're, the way they're hacking the system is smart but my point though is that even they've realized and they were the the big holdouts who were saying you can make money charging this amount up front and you can build a bit you can still keep a business this way they were really the ones who said we, we still will sell in our store and we'll also sell you know, in the Mac app store and we'll do kind of cross, you know, upgrades and they were figuring out ways to have different pricing for, for based on when people bought things. Like they were really kind of, you know, early on that. But the fact that even they've moved to now basically saying the app itself is going to be free and, you know, what you pay will depend on, you know, X, Y, and Z factors, I think says to me anyway, that because, and I, I would blame the iOS app store on this, kind of the race to the bottom that happened basically as soon as the, the platform launched, but but has only increased, people are less and less willing to pay up front for apps. Even if it's $5, they're not willing to do it. And and that's that trend's only going to increase. Now, I, are people going to get subscription fatigue? Absolutely. But that to me, that's that's the that's the next you know place where things are going. And obviously, it doesn't work for every app. There are plenty of apps that are not ideal for subscription, but there are plenty that are. Um, and and people will pay them, you know, who who rely on them. You know, um, I think that the hard thing is going to be, you know, for developers proving that they're updating them enough so that people feel, you know, feel like they're getting their value. Um, but there's certain apps, you know, especially if there's a service component that it makes it easier to kind of understand and say, Oh, well I should be paying a subscription for this. Um, I want to segue though. To you, so anyway, that, that was some of the things to talk about a release notes. We're just kind of my, well, here, here's like, the thing yeah. though. Here's the, yeah. like, we'll move to a subscription system, which seems to be the way things are going. So I assume it will eventually be palatable to consumers and then after a while of that, all of a sudden, artisan software will make a resurgence and people yeah. will be like, you know what? I am willing to pay a premium price for well-made software um, <laughs> up front uh, one time. I mean, I think that that would be more advantageous if the App Store actually had a proper trial program. I feel like the App Store would suffer in that case because this would be mostly people that decided... The hip thing to do would be to go buy off the app store because the app store won't be cool anymore. Sure, but 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 I th- I think that the convenience of the app store is always going to win out over the hip thing to do. I think though that the artisan like pay the upfront cost thing. I think that could make a resurgence if and only if you had 
real trials and not and the hard the hard thing with that of course is that plenty of people need an app and, and this is sort of the, the a broader problem with software these days with kind of the app for this mentality is that a lot of times people will will need an app for like one or for, for one instance it's a one-off you know the they app store it. regularly suggests my app marked to people who want to open unknown file types right so i deal with a lot of customer support from people that are like I don't understand how this app I bought is supposed to open a TGZ file. And I'm like, that's, you know, tar gzip. How are you going to open that with an app? Why would Apple even say such a thing? Right. And you have no control over that. I don't. I don't even know why my app is listed as a potential. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, um, but, but so those are some of the things I talked about at releases, but it was a good conference. It was a good time. I, I wasn't able to stay for the final day, so I missed the, the, the final set of talks, but I look forward to, I think they're all going to be, you know, available to, for people to listen to. And um, that, was, that was good. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know this conference existed until someone texted me and was like, hey, are you coming? Yeah, you would have actually had a blast. Yeah, it sounds like it. Why do, why do these conferences keep being invented without anyone notifying me? I don't know. Am I supposed to like kinda... read blogs? Yeah, I think so. Um, because yeah, you, you should definitely come next year. It was in Indianapolis, so it was close to Dude, you. I still got to get to XOXO. Then I'll worry oh, about. Oh, well, it's over. Notes. XOXO is. I never know. Again. I'm set. Oh wait, never. Never. I mean, Why? They, they basically are done because I didn't get to go this year because I just started the new job. So even though I bought a ticket and paid for my ticket, um, they got five hundred dollars out of me that basically for nothing. Um, because I wasn't able to go, but because I think there's just, it's been a lot to put together and they've been struggling with the size and with kind of the scope and with being both inclusive and you not know, making it too big, but not ruining the, the motif of it. So it's, it's over. I mean, it might come back eventually, but huh. it's not, it's not coming back next year. Well, I guess I'm not, you know, looking forward to that anymore then. Yeah. Unfortunately. So release notes then. Yes. Release notes though. It was good though. It reminded me a lot of Singleton. Where was release um, notes? Indiana and Indianapolis. It was in downtown Indianapolis. Really? Yeah. It was in a train station. It was like this hotel that also is, it's still kind of a, it was like an old train station and it's still like some trains still come through. And so some of the hotel rooms are actually like old train cars, which is kind of cool. Um, and then the, you know, the, the convention center or I guess the area where it is was like, you know, was, was attached to the hotel, but like was, you know, an old atrium where, you know, trains would come through. It was a really cool, really cool venue. That sounds intriguing. I, yeah. I find Indianapolis intriguing in general ever since, I think it was like 20, 20 years ago, almost, that they like redesigned the whole city and rebuilt it on a grid and added the uh, waterways and whatnot. Yeah, I've never been before. Um, so it was my first time, but I really liked it. It was cool. Yeah. Um, Okay, so but it's in Indiana, which gets like if you've ever been to South Bend, it's surprising that Indianapolis exists. Okay, I okay. don't know what that means, but let's <laughs> let, let's talk about you're let's a talk New about, Yorker let's talk slash about, Georgian. Um, exactly, I was gonna say I, I don't know anything about the Midwest at all. But let, let's talk about uh, NV Alt. Talk speaking of apps. Oh, so okay, okay, that's that. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds like fun. NV Alt has always been fun. Except for the last two years where we didn't really update it at all because it doesn't pay anything and the code base is ancient and like was written four operating systems ago. Yeah, I was going to say, give some people some background. What 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 is it? NVL is it was based on a notational velocity. Right, notational velocity was a brilliant app for note-taking and uh, it, it too eventually just kind of went silent and I, as a lunchtime experiment at some point, added some features to it with the open source code and and shared it uh as a a new a new app but always clearly based on a fork in fact nv in the name nv alt is notational velocity um but it kind of took on a life of its own very quickly and uh became eventually after a few years more more easily findable than notational velocity itself and I, based on download stats there's like over 700,000 users of this little freeware app 
that's completely open source, but none of the users seem to want to submit pull requests or anything. So, well, of course not. I mean, I most merged... people don't. Most, most people who use open source software aren't going to contribute back. That's kind of right. how it works. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've seen a pull request. I think I've seen one really over five six years. Um, but I merged what I had done with uh, David Halter slash Elastic Threads, um, and we created a joint project under the name NBL, and that continued to grow, continued to get more popular, and it got to be a hassle to update. So we've been working for over a year now on a replacement, like written from scratch, something we can charge money for legally because the original's under GPL3 code, or license and you can charge for GPL three code. It gets complicated to the I mean point you can absolutely charge for it. You've got to still make the source available, but you can absolutely charge for it. The the biggest thing is that source of the original notational velocity is not maintainable anymore. Okay. It, it, there are so many compile warnings and so many code errors that it's worth rewriting either way. Um but then Sierra released, and one of my big plans this whole time was to use the Sparkle auto update system to direct people to the new product we're working on, uh, Bitwriter. And uh, all of a sudden, it broke, uh, NBL broke for most people under Sierra. And I didn't realize this was going to happen because I've been running a dev version for over a year. And so when I started running the Sierra developer builds, I didn't have any problem. And so I didn't think twice about it. And then Sierra released, broke NVL, and I realized, oh no, this is gonna run like 50% of my marketing plan. So we had a harried few days of trying to get out a fix for it, which went disastrously. Like the first one I put out, I had a, static linking problem with SSL libraries and basically I put out something in the auto updater that would not launch for anybody which then meant that anyone who had updated wouldn't be able to update again because they couldn't get you know into a point right. where the auto updater would let them know there's a new version so it went on for a week of I think three releases total before I finally got one that worked for everybody um, it was a lot of stress. I bet. After Especially that, for... <laughs> after that first one where I knew that I had broken it for like hundreds of thousands of people, I I just had, I left. I went to a bluegrass festival and just stood there kind of in a daze. Cause that's a big, that's a big screw up. No, it, it, it definitely, it definitely is. Um, it, 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 how how would you have been able to avoid this? How, would um, it have been as simple as as, as doing better testing? Well, um, yeah, having on, on, ha on, on, on giving like, ourselves more time to actually send it to a beta tester of any kind. It basically, like we were on Slack and we we're like, "Yeah, it works for me. Works for me. Okay, put it out." And neither of us realizing that we had like Homebrew installed uh, OpenSSL packages that most users wouldn't have. And we had dynamically linked to something that no one else was going to have installed. And yeah, any kind of testing would have avoided this, but it was all so last minute and so harried. And then the bug fixes were harried. And yeah. And the, <laughs> the worst part is that no matter how many times I say it, people don't report bugs in the channel, like in this case, GitHub issues that I request. So I'm getting emails and tweets and, and, uh, blog comments and everything. And it's impossible to consolidate everything and let everyone know, okay, we got this. Here's the new version, download it. Everything will be fine. So for like days after you fix it, you have to keep doing customer support on something that you really only wanted as a marketing channel. I mean, that's, 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 that's the biggest punch they got, right? Is that this is basically because this, this is a, a difficult to maintain project and you've done it kind of as a labor of love and it hasn't made you any money. And you're now trying to kind of shift and say, Hey, we're, we're doing this thing, Bitwriter that's going to be 
you know, very much the same thing, but we'll be better supported and we'll have a cleaner code base and all that stuff. And you're trying to let people know. And by doing that in kind of a, the way that you did it without testing, it ended up being like the biggest hassle ever. I do have to say that after, because it has a very kind of, um, we'll say dedicated following, uh, people who use it every day. I got multiple messages that were like, um, my business relies on this application and now it doesn't work. And my thought was, why would you base your business on a freelance application? But that aside, when we finally did put out an update and we, when we did finally get it working, people did express their appreciation with uh, PayPal donations to David and I, and it actually, I, I would say it came out to a windfall uh, considering the harried week of stress i think ultimately the donations covered the number of hours in that particular week not necessarily the two years of tinkering that we'd done before that this release but yeah no I mean, people people did they understood this was this was important to them it was worth money and they did send some uh some donations so much much gratitude to everyone who pitched in even five dollars that was very cool no that's really cool that i mean and that has to make you feel gratified even like if like the the process itself was a pain and whatnot i mean i think that and that has to i think be exciting you know towards your your commercial product i can't tell you how many people daily tell me would you please put it out so i can give you money and i I look at like my bank statement i'm like yeah i really need to get this out when when do you think it's going to be out Um, my wife has this joke that for the last year I've been telling her, I think like two more weeks and it'll be out. So it's always, my response is always two weeks, two weeks. We'll have a beta in two weeks. And that's been going on for a while. But as we've discussed a year of that was medication issues and me literally being unable to work at all. So now that I am back to work and things are going really well, I can legitimately say two weeks slash a month, two okay. to four weeks. So, so hopefully next time we podcast, we'll be getting closer to the public to having some sort of beta out, if not a public beta. Then like I will a make a note to give you an update at that point. Okay, cool. And also, I want to be in the beta. Yes, of course you will. I have I've gotten multiple emails from several. Uh, high profile people who are very interested in beta testing. So you can join the the ranks. Can I just say to you personally, how weird it is that um, for the first time in the, close to a decade, I'm not using the TextMate bundle that you built originally <laughs> back for Blogsmith and then, and then updated, you know, over, over the years for, for me to kind of, you know, hack use together at Mashable that it, that I'm not using that in my day to day. What editor do you write in now? Well, actually, most of the time I'm now actually writing in the CMS, which oh, I know is an anthema, but Kinja is actually pretty good and, and they have good shortcuts. It's, it's, uh, it's better than what Mashable CMS was, which was trying to do many of the same ideas. It actually will let you edit, you know, certain code stuff if you need to have like full access to whatever the, the code is, if you need to put those things, you know, it, it supports embeds really well. It, it, it's a, you know, linking system command K is, is solid. So I feel like I don't know you anymore. I know it's weird, but I will. The thing is, is that if I do, though, I'm writing like still in TextMate and then using <laughs> marked to convert to RTF and then pasting that way. You paste so, RTF into the online editor? Yeah. Oh, my God. Things are worse than I thought. Well, but I well, I don't have another choice. I can't paste Markdown. I can't paste can't HTML. Can't you paste HTML, though? <sighs> the way that they do um, tagging and stuff, like for per- paragraph breaks, like every single like you know space like there's a br or a p tag oh and things God. like that and there's like an id it would get too messy you should get me so, a job there so we can fix the cms too i mean there there is there is a, there <laughs> there is an opening is there really <laughs> there is <laughs> we'll talk know, later like, we'll, we'll uh, talk later i'm independent um so anyway yes that was a that was an adventuresome week 
The thing I'm really curious about, though, and I have to say, like, I've wanted your take on this for quite some time now. There's been a lot of celebrity heartbreak going on. Love is dead. That overall, I can't bring myself to care about. However, these are, when it comes to things like Brad and Angelina. Yeah. I actually hate that I do, but I do care. Because that was kind of. Huge. It, it was the celebrity relationship that yes. I appreciated, that I enjoyed. Those two were... They were great together. They were a, a powerful duo. Beautiful and 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 smart and, and would you know do good things. No, it's... Uh, and honestly, it actually seemed for a long time like that like was legit, just like going to last. Forever. Agreed. Yeah. It was one of those things you really didn't, or at least I fully didn't expect it to, to end. That was such a, a, a mind fuck for me. And it was one of those funny things where like, um, I, I really was proud of Gizmodo for figuring out an angle to write about it. Uh, cause we were all freaking out in Slack. And then it turned out that someone had a rumor and I'm sure this, this was a fake rumor, but someone had a rumor in like 2009. Um, like one of the inquisitor, not inquisitor, uh, one of the, the examiner like websites, they claimed that like Angelina Jolie was like a Palm Pre fan, like on the set of some movie, and that she would visit websites like Gizmodo. And so, you know, we we Gizmodo wrote a story kind of about that. Like, oh, and apparently she reads this. And so our headline for the breakup was, you know, um, um uh possible Gizmodo reader, Angelina Jolie, you know, files for divorce. <laughs> um and 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 that we were very proud. Of, of that angle, but it also was just kind of like love is dead, but it was just like one of those things where genuinely my personal feed of, you know, on, on Twitter and on texts and, and, and uh, not to mention, you know, work feed for Slack. I mean, everybody is just kind of, you're not expecting it. It's just, whoa, you know? Yeah, I do know. Like it was just crazy. I, the, the whoa thing for me was, holy crap, I care. Like this, this actually bothers well, me. Well, and then not only that, but it, the fact that it is, you know, in, in some cases, you know, like the divorces like are amicable. This is not. Huh. And, you know. As far as custody? Well, yeah, because she's like, you know, apparently there was some incident that happened on an airplane where maybe he was verbally. Where, where I, I think Angelina claims that Brad was, was verbally abusive to maddox the oldest son the one who's like 16 or whatever and or or 14 or whatever and and um you know claimed that there was you know like inappropriateness something or another but you know department of family and children's services is is looking into it and apparently because it took place in an airplane like you know the the feds had to like look into it who even knows the whole thing seems for dcfs to truly get involved in any sort of abuse case, there has to be like a history of it. And it usually has to be pretty bad. I think, I don't think, you know, yelling at your kid on an airplane or even smacking your kid. And, and there's no evidence that that happened either, but I don't think, you know, yelling at your kid on an airplane, um, is going to count. But just the fact that that was leaked so quickly, you know, that, that Angelina, you know, she files for divorce, TMZ picks up on it. Her lawyer is like the, one of the most famous, like TMZ calls her the disso queen, the dissolution of marriage queen, um, Laura Wexler. And she is like very, very well known as like a very shrewd divorce attorney. And she, you know, fought, she's Angelina's lawyer and we, we find out about the first, you know, the, um, that she's wanting sole custody of the kids and he can have visitation rights. And then we're, we get the details that there was some sort of incident on the plane and then maybe there was like child abuse allegations and all this crap. And it's just like, it's insane. And, um, like that to me was almost as disappointing and upsetting as like the, the divorce itself, because it's not just a divorce. It's like a messy, like, whoa, divorce. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds ugly. I mean, and, and we don't know, like, the... I mean, the... I've met 16-year-olds. I yeah. wanted to yell and swear at a lot of 16-year-olds. No, totally. And and um, I, as a 14-year-old or, or 16-year-old, I, I don't know how, how old Maddox is. Let me find out. Uh, Maddox Jolie Pitt is... Um, I think he's... Yeah, he's 15. So... Um, I know when I was 15, I did and said some things that were pretty bad and that were definitely worthy of being screamed at and wouldn't have been at all like undeserved to be yelled at. 
So I don't want to judge Brad Pitt too harshly because I don't know what happened. Well, and but I he, feel like I feel like things like that, like that particular instance, if there's a history, yeah, that's that's sure. valid, and I will totally accept it. But an incident on an airplane, to me, is you're looking for an excuse to separate and and have some leverage, and that is it's valid, but not necessarily a source of like judgment. Like there shouldn't be, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, also- honestly I can go, I, if it turns out that Brad Pitt is a monster. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll, Agreed. I'll work with it. That's fine. Same. Yeah. I mean, I, it'll be hard for me because you know, I love Brad Pitt, but, but I'll, I'll work with it. But, but it's Ditto. also at the same time, but, but it's interesting because unfortunately kind of the way it looks right now, you know, she filed, she's making these claims. He's, saying the allegations are untrue will obviously but he's cooperating with authorities and and right now they have like a temporary custody agreement like worked out where she has sole custody of the kids and he can see them you know with supervision and i think the first time was a counselor to be there and whatnot and he's having but he has to do that because he's part of an investigation now so he can't have um you know unsupervised visitation but like you know going through this process unfortunately becomes like he said she said and the way that it's at least been leaked it's definitely looks like this is her thinking what's the way I could hurt this guy the most so I don't know what happened and what led to all of this maybe it was a family incident maybe it was something with the kids who knows but it certainly seems like the whole way this has been done and has been kind of leaked to the press it's like what's the most painful hurtful thing that that, that could happen and and that's again because I like both of them yeah I was gonna say by the exact same token as much as I don't want to find out Brad Pitt is a monster I don't want to find out that Angelina is vindictive Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, basically, this is this is the one for me. Also, Lee Schreiber and uh, and Naomi Watts. They're also breaking up after nine years together. That was also very upsetting. They're they're handling theirs privately and and whatnot. But that was announced, and I was like, Holy well, I crap, think I think dead. Brad and Angelina would be handling theirs privately, but it's such a big deal to like everyone. Well, no, <laughs> no, they're again, in a position. I just, I, Oh, I disagree, though, because the way that it was filed, like it wasn't, I mean, Laura Wasser, the the disso queen, you know, files that paperwork. She knows that TMZ is going to find it. And then her people are immediately kind of leaking before the, the investigation report leaked out, you know, that, oh, there was an incident on a plane and there was this and that. I mean, you know, there's definitely been like... I don't know. You, Laura Wasser's her attorney and, and, and knows this game better than anybody. And like the way that it was filed publicly and the way it was found is just like, I'm not going to say TMZ was called, but TMZ was certainly aware that that was going to happen. And sure. they knew that TMZ was going to see it. You know what I mean? Like there, there are ways to handle these filings in, in different ways. If you don't want the publicity, I think this definitely was, you know, there was a fight. There was some sort of argument. It was like, okay, you want to play? Let's play. So are there um, any conspiracy theories surrounding well, this? Well, before all the child abuse stuff, which kind of ruins the whole fun of <laughs> talking about it, to be totally honest, there was conspiracy theories that he had apparently maybe had an affair with um, um, Marianne Cotillard. That seemed to be uh, the broad assumption to begin with. Obviously, a Hollywood couple is breaking up because they all cheat on each other. Right. And you have to think the way that, that Angelina and Brad got together, you know, he was still married to Jennifer Aniston. He and Angelina Jolie met on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And even though they both say that they didn't technically start the affair, then feeling started and, and he realized that he, you know, was falling for her and, and <laughs> left Jennifer Aniston. And, and we've had this conversation on Overtired before. Like, I totally understand why i mean if i'm jennifer aniston i couldn't i don't even think i could be upset i think i'd be hurt but i think i'd be like i'd understand it'd be like well yeah okay i i I get it you know she's better than me in every way i get it um (laughs) but it's true though but it's true i mean i think that like if like if if my husband had the opportunity to be with angelina jolie i would totally again i'd be hurt i'd be upset but i wouldn't be like how could this happen i'd be like well obviously I mean, you know, like they're just there's certain times you're just outclassed. Um, Marion Cotillard, as beautiful as she is, a she's kind of a 9/11 truther, which sort of ruins her for me. Um, but b putting that aside, like Angelina is still hotter. Yeah, I'd say that. Like, like yeah. honestly, Angelina is still hotter, and 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 the mother of your children has all these other things going for you. So like, I don't know. That's a weird one because I'm like, I, I get it. You know, people have affairs, people cheat, and whatnot. But I'm like, but. Angelina Jolie is such a other level of hot. Like I don't know, I I I don't know who you would even like have. 
they would like take her place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do actually, because I can't name anyone off the top of my head. Not I mean, given the history, not given the context. No, not at all. I mean, the thing is, is that like there might be like a one night stand. Like, okay, you know, you ha- like again, like you have a maybe, maybe you have a one night stand with the Florida Lions girl, um, who was in Gone Girl. But like even her, I don't think a I don't think she took up with Brad Pitt. Although apparently, allegedly, allegedly, she hooked up with Ben Affleck. And again, I think if I'm Jennifer Garner and I hear that like my husband boffed the nanny, I'm pissed because I'm like, that's messed up. I hear he boffed, you know, the blurred lines girl. I'm going, yeah, okay, that's I, I, I understand. Yeah, but and, we're not talking. We're talking about Brad Pitt. I know he has I to know. have higher standards. I agree. He's I basically, agree. like he's still hotter than Hemsworth, and that's saying a lot. I agree. So again, I don't know anybody who's hotter than Angelina Jolie. So I don't, <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? So that, that's why I think we're also surprised because we didn't understand like what, how there could be, an, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I, don't know. I do. It, yes. I, I, I feel all these things and I hate myself for it, but I do. <laughs> but I, you do. I love it. I will fully admit. And I don't give a shit what happened with Hiddle Swift. I will admit that uh, yeah. as well. Honestly, I don't either. I mean, it was a summer romance. I think that she got together with him to get over Calvin Harris. Then he was in Australia a whole bunch. And, you know, she had kind of a bad summer and kind of needed to lay low and was like, you know, it's maybe not the best time for me to go to the Emmys with my boyfriend. And so we'll break <laughs> up. It'll be on good terms. I don't think that they ended on poor terms or anything. I think it was just like a summer romance that ended up being very public and and they made out all over the place. And maybe it was a little bit of a publicity stunt. Who knows? Although I if think you, if you break up on good terms, though, your next album's going to be so boring. Yeah. But see, she broke up on bad terms with Calvin Harris. Uh, okay. So that's where all the drama can come from. Uh, he, so, I was worried there for a second. No, no. We're going to have a good album. It's going to be a great <laughs> album. Album TS album six is going to be fantastic. And the thing is, is that she's such a good songwriter and good storyteller. She could just like look back on her pain again. I mean, honestly, she and Jake Gyllenhaal were together, I think, for like two months. And she wrote the entire Red album about him. And it's like an amazing album. And it's like they weren't together that long, you know. So I have no doubt that a year and a half with Calvin Harris, she can, especially the way it ended so poorly, that she can really kind of channel in some rage. But um, who knows? Did you know we have a really cool sponsor today? We have an amazing sponsor today. Speaking of music, I feel like that could have been a better transition, but no, I think that was a good I think that was a good transition. We do. Do you want to do you want to start telling people about our sponsor today? Yeah, so we are sponsored today by Global Delights Boom 2. Uh, Boom 2 is a tiny Mac app which does wonders to what we call audio. Uh, what Boom 2 does is simple. It calibrates itself to the Mac it's installed on, and then it boosts the volume. So even the most people notes get amplified to the best hearing range, and that gives an immersive and crystal clear audio experience to the human ear. It, what's cool, though, is that it works system-wide. So whether it's your music library or YouTube videos or you're watching Netflix movies, the volume gets intelligently boosted. You might ask, how is that intelligent? It's not. It doesn't just boost the volume. It actually tunes to the perfect highs and lows and, and then boosts the volume in the best suited range. So you get like amazing sound without having to twiddle and, and tweak everything from whatever audio is coming through your computer. Right. And like you said, it, it's not just about boosting the volume. It comes loaded with like amazing audio effects like fidelity and spatial and ambience and night mode and, and pitch. And these are available via an app purchase. And once added, they blend the effects beautifully with the audio, creating an amazing audio ex- environment. And that's not all, Christina. With Boom 2, you can fine tune the output. There are adjustable equalizers, which you can simply toggle and create an output that suits you best. So if you want to get immersed in an audio experience like never before, log on to boomformac.com. The app comes with a trial period of seven days, and you can use the entire app, including all the effects that would normally be in-app purchases. Once you're in love with it, you can buy it through boomformac.com. But the best part about hearing this on our show is that you can use the coupon code CHRISTINA 
that's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, to get the app at 25% off. You'll just have to buy it before October 15th, 2016 from boomformac.com. So remember, it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. That's Christina, like my name. And the website is boomformac.com. So I, I think I think they like you. They gave <laughs> you love, the coupon code. Honestly, I'm so excited because everybody always gives like is, is like TT scoff or Chirpstra as the coupon code. So thank you, uh, uh, Global Delight, for uh, for for giving uh, the coupon code of Christina because that makes me feel really good. It's your moment and in the spotlight. It is my moment <laughs> in the spotlight. Um, and and the Global Delight team from India wishes Namaste to the world. I've been taking a lot of yoga and. I have to say namaste every day and <laughs> and I've actually gotten very comfortable with it. So yes, namaste from, from Global Delight. Um, I would also like to mention that there are some amazing features. I use Boom 2 all the time. Yeah, I do too. I like it a lot. And like, because I bought really good speakers for my computer, like uh, a whole Pioneer setup with... Uh, an uh a, a digital audio converter and it is great when you have an equalizer in like iTunes or Spotify but if you want to equalize everything and add effects to everything uh Boom 2 is awesome for it and you have like controlled boost so you can uh if you're worried about excessively high volume you can uh you can basically normalize everything preset equalizers there's even an ios app that has some yeah it's different functionality but it also provides a very immersive audio experience and it's overall like the best app for taking what i would do with like the itunes equalizer and applying it to all the audio that comes out of my computer well, because that's basically the best thing, right? Is that, you know, if, if you're in iTunes or if you're in an app like Vox or like other audio apps, like you can kind of create your equalizers and, and make them work, but you really can't do that with other apps. Like you can't really do that with Skype or, you know, Spotify is a great example. You know, like there are apps that, that don't have those capabilities and yet this will work system wide and it's really cool. And give you consistency. I hate switching from like Apple Music to totally agree anything else. And all of a sudden everything sounds flat and boring. But yeah, so. Thanks to uh, thanks to Boom Two and Global Delight. That that was uh, a, a wonderful sponsorship because it's something I actually enjoy. Thank you, th- thank you so much. We have so many things left on our list, but we're at an hour. Like we, we're ju- at we, an hour. We packed this show. We should do another one sooner. Yeah, let's do than that. Like let's, a month. No, yeah, like <laughs> next week. Like we keep saying that, but like for real. Like you know, um, before we go though, I. I do want you to be able to talk about because you put it on here and I love this show too. Um, NTSF SDSUV. I feel like that deserves more time. Okay. But I will say if anyone has ever been a fan of any variety of CSI or even like Law and Order, NTSF colon SD colon SUV colon colon. <laughs> so good. It is, it's a show, it's a spoof on. Like it's an adult swim everything. show. Everything, yeah. Uh, what's the? It's Andre from the league. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I am uh, I'm googling because oh, it's Paul uh, Paul Shear. Paul Shear, yes. Also from uh, Real Housewives of Orlando, which is an amazing show. Um, it's in my opinion, it's Paul Shear's like shining moment. Yeah, it um it reminds me a lot. We've talked about the show before and on early episodes of the sh- of of um of overtired um Children's Hospital. Yes, yeah. and Children's <laughs> Hospital, you know, which which has a lot of the same people from the state and from Party Down on it. Um, like that. Um, you know, uh, is is a spoof of medical shows like Grey's Anatomy and ER, and um and, and now I guess like you know uh, other things. And and this is like that same sort of humor, but applied to the, you know, the 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 cop detective you know, like CSI genre. So it's like the, you know, I, both, both, both the, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer and, um, uh, what's his face, Dick Wolf. So it, it's a re- really funny. Well, we'll talk about it more in depth, but I, I did just want to give that a shot. Cause it's, it's on Netflix, isn't it? It is. 
It is. And, it, and they're it, short episodes. They're like 15 they're short, they're like, episodes. Exactly. It, it aired on Adult Swim. I think it aired for two seasons. And it was certainly one of my, my favorite things. If you um, have any experience, like there's a scene where he does a CSI Miami kind of line, but he's already wearing sunglasses. So he takes the sunglasses he's wearing off and puts on a different pair of sunglasses. And the the satire is amazing. I it, it honestly it's it's kind of lowbrow, but at the same time brilliant, like all good things totally. are. Thanks for being here, Christina. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I finally point. caught you and we could do a recording. No, I am too. I I love this show so much. I always say that. And um, when when we uh, last time we did the episode, we uh, gave a, a shout out to uh, one of our listeners who listened to every single show. And since then, there are like other listeners who have oh, like so come many. over too, which <laughs> makes us feel so good. And so for all of you guys who even listened to that terrible episode we did, which was my fault with the <laughs> on your hearty people. <sighs> good times. Good times. Anyone who survived that should get a shout out. For real. For real. Like, I survived the Tanya Harding episode. That should be a t-shirt. Holy shit. Oh, my God. We should, actually. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do overtired shirts. I think that's that's a good idea. We can do it. Because now, um, you know, we can do it with, with Teespring or somebody who, like. Yeah. yeah well, well yeah. Uh, Moises is supposed to be helping us with that anyway. But, yeah. I mean, like, uh, we got Tux Kate and uh gaelic wizard and yeah no i should have made a list of all these people who 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 decided they needed to let us know that they've been listening since even before the deleted episodes i will make a list i'm gonna make like a I'll, i'll add a link to a shout out to all of the people who are dedicated fans and people who maybe haven't let us know yet, we are on Twitter at OVRTRD. Yep. We're on iTunes, of course. You can leave hilarious reviews there, heartwarming and hilarious. And then Christine is on Twitter as film underscore girl, and I am TT Scoff everywhere. Uh, I, I said that instinctively. I'm TT Scoff on Twitter. Anyway. Yeah, you're, you're TT Scoff in most services. This has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. Good to talk to you. Maybe we can get back to a weekly schedule soon. Yeah, we should. We should totally do that because, yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again, Christina. Get some sleep. Thanks. You too, Brett. (laughs) The system is going down now.